Hey folks, welcome back to the Draper Dialogues podcast. DJ Draper here on today's show, bringing you our interview with one of the most fascinating individuals we have ever seen come through the AWF locker room, the Wizard King Oren Vite. Interesting to think about that. Uh, five years into the sport, no longer the rookie that sometimes I still think of him as seeing him come into the sport alongside Jacob Savage uh, five years ago now. We're going to talk about some of his background breaking into this sport and some other things that we hope you will find interesting about him. Here's our interview with Oren Veit. Oren Veit, one of the most sadistic, dangerous, darkest individuals we've ever seen, not just in the AWF, but through the AWF with your activities elsewhere. Oren Veit, the Wizard King, welcome to the Draper Dialogues. Oh, thanks for having me. Really, really excited to be here. You know, so good to see you again. It's been quite a while since we've seen you at an AWF event because it's been quite a while since we've frankly had an AWF event. Real quick, how are you handling this new situation with the stay at home and the rest of it, not having wrestling shows, whether in a ring or not in a ring? We know that you uh, sometimes gravitate toward those situations. How are you holding up in this situation? Uh, so far, so good. Um, with my with my regular job, it allows me to uh, to get out of the house and to do do real work. But uh, otherwise, it's it's not fun to not be able to go do things that you used to do. You can't go out to can't go out to eat. Can't go. Can't just run to Target. You know, it's a big ordeal. And it's it's definitely definitely different. And I can't wait to get back into wrestling. This is well. Hopefully, this will all pass soon, and we don't really know necessarily when that might be. Unfortunately, uh, how about we start at the beginning? We know you broke into the AWF uh, around 2015. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. Then, so, what got you interested in wrestling, and how'd you break into the sport? Oh, well, I got in, interested in wrestling when I was seven years old. Uh, a neighbor was watching me uh, as a babysitter, took me over to, took me across the street to their place and turned on wrestling. And there was uh, Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero, and I was hooked. Like, from that moment on, I was like, oh, I wrestling is what I want to do. Oh, my God, that's the coolest thing ever. And grew up and just loved it. I never really thought it was a plausible thing. Never thought it was like a legit thing that I could do. Uh, then I uh, I was working as assistant general manager at Hardee's. And one of my employees asked me, if you weren't doing this, what would you do with your life? And I said, well, I'd be a professional wrestler and didn't, didn't skip a beat. And so I, it kind of hit me that maybe I should do that. Maybe I should take the time to... Uh, like pursue that and see if it's pursuable. I went out and did like a, a one night training thing at CZW and realized I couldn't afford to move out there. So for whatever reason, the AWF was running somewhere in the Wilmer area at the time. And my grandmother pointed out in the paper, Oh, why don't you message? Uh, why don't you message? 
them. And I laughed and thought it was thought it was ridiculous, but I did it anyway. And I was like, oh, what's the worst that happens? Nothing. And then, sure enough, one night I got a call from Tony Danucci, <laughs> and uh, and we talked for a solid two hours, which is a short conversation. Wow. Yeah, I was just gonna say you got out of that one easy. <laughs> I did. And, ah, uh, we love Tony Danucci, and you know, just gotta bust some cassettes here and there. But always, uh, always. Um, and then I started training. So how was that kinda, first? Uh, you mentioned that one off shot out in CZW. Were you out in Philly or somewhere else for that? Yeah. And how did that go? Uh, it was. I think it was somewhere out in like right by Philly, in like the Philly New Jersey border. Um, it was. It was grueling. They put me through the the whole rigor of everything, and I was not ready physically. I was, I didn't do anything for working out. I wasn't in bad shape, but I didn't do anything for working out. And I was like, oh, this will be fine. This will all be easy. I did like 600 squats and hundreds of push-ups. And oh man, the next the next week was an absolute nightmare of pain. Because I was, I had gone from zero physical activity to a copious amount. So just to be clear, the CZW training camp, when they have you out there, you're not going through light tubes and all the rest of it on day number one, right? I I really wished that they would have, but no, unfortunately, they did not. So you're known in the ring as the Wizard King. You know, we see you get in there, get on the canvas, you paint that pentagram when you get started to kick things off. Uh, what inspires you in the ring? What drives you as a pro wrestler? Well, I think it's a number of things, but a, a lot of it since I've been in pro wrestling has really been the fans. Um, the the fans, whether it's in Japan, whether it's in Milwaukee, whether it's a high school crowd, an AWF show, or you're at a fair at the AWF, there's the fans are always so incredible and it's, it's truly, uh, I want to say an honor to be able to do that in front of, in front of fans and to get the response that I've been lucky enough to get. Um, and I, I think that's really been what's, what's driven me while I've done it because I do some crazy things, which I'm sure we'll, we'll mm-hmm. get to, but if, if it wasn't for the fans and if it wasn't for that, then I, uh, I definitely wouldn't be able to do that. And I think the, the thing that I want with wrestling is I want to leave behind a, a good, good legacy and to be, able to, to be able to maybe be a trainer one day. That, that drives me. I want to leave something good. You know, I want to I want to have a reputable like a reputable career where people are like, yeah, that guy's that guy's legit. He did a lot of good things. You know. Tell us about your persona a little bit. Uh, going back to that pentagram, you're uh, a very dark force, and when it comes to pro wrestling companies, uh, especially when you look at the CEO, uh, bright, happy, shiny sports entertainment. Uh, atmosphere relative to some of the other uh, promotions that we've seen you compete in with some of the deathmatch stuff, glass, etc. How did you get to there and what sort of your inspiration uh, when it comes to being the wizard king? Uh, 
Uh, so when I started my career, I was definitely, I went heavy into the pentagram stuff, heavy into a lot of that, a lot of that darkness because it, nobody was doing it at the time. It, and it was, it was a reflection of who I was to an extent. Um, and it kind of became like, I, I slowly started tailoring it away because I realized that that really being full blown into that wasn't working. And so then that's when I went from the dark prophet to kind of the wizard king and to work with that where I can still have that edge to me, but it's more me. It's more like I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to come out wearing anime shirts and I'm allowed to come out, you know, and be, be this totally different guy that does the stuff where normally you see a deathmatch guy is this, not that I'm not covered in tattoos, but you know, <laughs> tattooed everywhere big muscular guy comes out to screaming music and hardcore and i'm just coming out to it's a different huey lewis in the news music or simple plan and you know it's i try to i try to be different from what's around me sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but since i kind of took on the the wizard king persona um it's it's really kind of taken off and fans have been able to connect with that a little bit better so rewinding back to when you first got into the awf and to the sport you had that rivalry with jacob savage uh, thrilling fans uh, all over the circuit uh, throughout the state yeah. of minnesota everywhere we go and he sort of edged you out there for rookie of the year back in 2015 <laughs> and then at yeah. some point you went to Form a tag team with them. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experiences with Jacob Savage, both across the ring and in your corner as a tag team partner. I think it's that that saying that that iron sharpens iron. Um, Jake was when we were training. Jake was the best of the best. He was the he was the poster child. He was he could do up and overs better than everybody. He was in the best physical shape. He was just the supreme athlete that was. Uh, if, if he was in baseball or football, he was a, a can't miss prospect. Like he has everything. He still does. He he's got all the tools. Um, and I was I, I was the one that uh, Sepio, our our trainer, Big Step. Uh, he I want to get him on the show, by the way. Oh, good luck. He's a very <laughs> <laughs> very reclusive guy. Um, he has told me since since training that he's like oh i thought you were gonna quit in a week if that and so jake was always the the benchmark i i had to be on jake's level and so that just naturally kind of created a rivalry where jake was the the shiny squeaky clean good boy that listened to everything that everybody told him to do i was the one that did not listen to anything anybody told me to do and i think that just kind of became a natural a natural headbutting and a natural rivalry that we did. We, we had some of my favorite matches of my career. Um, and then I think we kind of realized that that, that had worn itself out and I kind of sought, sought Jake out and decided, Hey, do you want to, you want to try being a team? I mean, we've spent all this time together as like training and we, we know each other in the ring better than anybody. Cause we've, you know, we wrestle each other so many times and we just, 
we have chemistry as a team and I, I wish we could be a team more. I mean, as much as I like uh, pile driving Jake and absolutely wrecking Jake in the ring, it, uh, it's, it's very fun to, to be on a team with him because everything's so relaxed and it's, we were able to mesh with each other and just have kind of natural chemistry that you don't, you don't really need to work on. So we asked folks on our social media channels to submit questions. Uh, one was from Heel Turn Radio on Twitter. When will we see or invite and Jacob Savage back together as the convent in AWF? And will there be any new members? Oren, your thoughts? Well, I hope soon. I mean, we we were back together, and then we. But to be clear, just, the I convent, that, right? Yeah, yeah, the convent. I mean, so we've we've gone back and forth as the convent and the covenant. So it's been a little bit of both. Uh, sometimes we're, we're flippy, flyy, super nuns, and other times we're creepy, dark people, you know? You, you never know what you're going to get. I think, I think the convent needs another run. I think and, that uh, our audience on 45 would just love seeing nuns fly around the AWF ring. We need it. We need it. But no, no more new members. We've, we've had enough. Uh, you mentioned your rivalry here with Jacob Savage. Uh, any other favorite opponents uh, that you've had so far inside the ring? In the AWF specifically? No, you can broaden it out to where. Okay, okay. Um, well, broad, it would probably be a lot of deathmatch stuff. Uh, G Raver and I had great chemistry. He's, uh, I think, like 15-year vet. Um, he's super trained in all sorts of technical styles and was just instant chemistry. Eric Ryan is another guy that's been around for 10 plus years. And he and I have had uh, a couple really, really good matches. One, one that really sticks out from about a year ago now. Um, and I've, I've been lucky to wrestle a lot of guys. Matt Tremont is probably up there too, because I wrestled him a few times and that guy for, everything that he's done in deathmatch wrestling and wrestling as a whole, he's still so humble and so giving when the way his body is beat up and kind of the way his career's been, you think that he would just take it easy, but man, he drives you to, to be so much better than what you are. So on the flip side of that, uh, who do you want to face that you haven't yet? And then we had a question from Matthew on Facebook. We can kind of tie this in to be a twofer, uh, uh, a feud you've wanted to do in the AWF. Okay. Um, so a feud that I wanted to do in the AWF is definitely Big Sep. He's been ducking me <laughs> my whole career. He has refused to give me a singles match. I have begged for it, and he won't give it to me. He will. I've wrestled him one time, a single time, and that was maybe my first year in and it was in a tag team match. So he didn't even have to do anything with me. So is this a situation um, of the trainer just not wanting to be upstaged by a student or what do you think that absolutely is? Absolutely. It is absolutely. He knows how good I am. He gets it. <laughs> um, and then somebody that I haven't wrestled yet that I'd like to wrestle is definitely, I'd say, uh, a June Kasai. 
Um, Ajun Kasai would be would be up there. Uh, when I went over to Japan, he was injured. Um, he's he's definitely definitely up there as as one of the one of the main ones. And if I had to pick a dream match, it would be Zack Saber Jr. That that's my that's my dream match if I got to pick one. So that answer you just gave there kind of dovetails nicely into the next question. Your travels in the sport have taken you to Japan. They've taken you to Mexico. Uh, how was wrestling different in each of those spots on the globe than it is here in the state of Minnesota and generally here in the United States? Man, it is completely other world i i think the biggest thing is the the fans are so different the fans treat it as real sport they treat it with such respect and and honor that when you go there you're a superstar um when when i was walking through the streets of mexico i literally had fans come up and recognize me because mainly there was giant banners all throughout these cities that we were wrestling in on this tour of our faces just huge banners which is unlike any promotion we get here in the United States. Um, and in Japan, the fans are so respectful. They're so like, they, they come up to the, to the merchandise table. They buy whatever they're going to buy. They ask for a picture. They thank you. And then they'll talk to you on social media. Whereas opposed to like America fans will come up and they'll hang around. They won't buy anything. <laughs> And they'll just they'll just sit there and, and small talk with you. And I have way too much social anxiety to have <laughs> random small talk. Um, but those those fans are incredible. The the wrestlers in Japan are top top level athletes. Everybody that I shared a ring with while I was in Japan is out of this world. And then same in Mexico. Even the trainees that were on the pre-show matches could run circles around some of these guys in the United States. And they're starting when they're 14, 15, even younger. Hmm. Um, and they are incredible athletes and they, they love it so, so much. And it's, it's definitely a, a true lifestyle. Like it, there was, there was one kid down there that he was 16. He started training when he was 11. What? And, uh, yeah, he started training when he was 11 Who allows that? and it's been <laughs> Mexico. Um, it's, it saved his life because his, his mom couldn't take care of him. So he had a sponsor come and say, Hey, well, we don't want you to go be on the streets and, you know, get into possible like gang activity or anything like that. So come train, come be a wrestler. I'll sponsor you. You'll have a place to live and you know, all your basic needs will be taken care of. And so that's what he did. And it was so cool to like the last night I was there to sit and talk with him and, and get, get to know his story and kind of what he's been through and where he's come from. And I was like, man, that would never happen in America. When you're on those travels, uh, you mentioned some of the differences in wrestling, uh, culturally being on your trips there, anything that stands out and any cool stories, stories to share from those trips. Um, the, the coolest thing with both of them is you leave these trips feeling like family. Um, the the wrestlers in Mexico and I, like when when we left, like we were crying because we we had built this bond with with these wrestlers over the 
the week that we were there and you really felt like family. They, they took care of you. They, they truly like loved you like one of their own. Um, and that, that was super, super cool. They, uh, there was a one wrestler arrow boy who took us all over. He took us to see all these sites. He took us to see pyramids in Mexico. And cause we were like, Oh, that would be really cool to go see. And then it was super cool. Cause he's like, man, I hadn't, you know, and broken, broken English. He told us that he hadn't been there since he was seven, hmm. uh, because it was just something that they kind of take for granted or don't stop to like go look at. And he was super excited because like that was, the first time he had taken his son who was maybe I want to say his son was maybe six or seven. Huh. Um, and it, that was the first time his son had got to see it. And so he was like, Oh, thank you guys for wanting to do this. That was like, this is a really cool memory we get to have um, with, with my son and I, and his son was the coolest little kid. So well behaved and such a good wrestler. <laughs> he already knew everything. So, uh, yeah. and then in, in in Japan, we we did a lot of stuff, but we also kind of had a lot of time to ourselves. So we got to we got to go off and see these really cool um, really cool wrestling shops, um, and really got to ex- experience the culture. I of course went and spent a day a whole day in Akihabara and the like the anime district of of it all, no. and everybody else did. Yeah, everybody else went and did their own thing, and I just went and got lost and. I was like, oh god, it's that late at night, oh boy. And that's all for part one of our interview with Oren Veit. You're going to want to catch the next part of this interview that we will be coming your way in the next day or two, where Oren Veit will talk with all the detail you would ever want to hear regarding his experiences with deathmatch wrestling. It may not be for everyone, and certainly in the AWF, our doors probably aren't fully open to that, but interesting to hear about nonetheless, unless you're absolutely squeamish and you really don't want to hear about things like tax, glass, and even paprika, and definitely not in the culinary sense. Coming at you in the next day or two right here on the Draper Dialogues podcast. So long.